1: Welcome to the newest episode of Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. I'm your host, Jason Fraley, picking the brains of the top filmmakers, musicians, and artists of our time. Legendary cult filmmaker John Waters brings his stand-up show, A John Waters Christmas, to the Birchmere in Alexandria, Virginia on December 21st. We spoke about the show as well as his memories of growing up in Baltimore, protesting in DC, and directing cult classics from Pink Flamingos to Hairspray, which later became a mainstream Broadway musical.
0: Hello? Anybody there?
1: Yes. Hey, is this John Waters, the John Waters? Yes, it
0: is. Yes, it is. How are you?
1: Good. Hey, thanks so much for calling. This is a real treat. Um Thank you. so <laughs> we're talking about a John Waters Christmas that's gonna be coming to um the Birchmere here coming up um in December. Um before we get to that, uh we, we actually we last spoke at um the when when they open reopened the Parkway Theater in Baltimore a couple years ago. And you, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So much fun. And uh you said that Baltimore is so much cooler than DC. Do you still believe that or when you come yeah, down so to I do
0: it. Well, I, <laughs> I think they don't mix. It's so weird because sometimes everybody in Baltimore thinks DC is kind of square and everybody in Washington thinks Baltimore, everybody's a redneck. And they're both right.
1: <laughs> yeah, equal shade for both. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I I had to open with that. Thanks for answering. No, but I love, I mean, the only thing I hate about
0: Washington, I hate driving there.
1: Yeah.
0: It's all drunks on the road. And it's, uh, but, you know, I always, it has great museums. It has great clubs. uh, So I've always had a great audience there. I miss some of the art theaters that used to be there, but really Pink Flamingos made its name there and everything. So I've always had a great, great home for my movies in Washington, completely. And uh, so, and I've been to lots of good riots there. So I have good memories <laughs> of
1: Washington. <laughs> Which riots were you here for? <laughs> oh,
0: I did worse. I peed on the Pentagon once, and John Mitchell looked out the window and saw me. And just a different yippy, <laughs> crazy revolutionary stuff in the '60s. Yes, I was. At, I was at all. I was at Martin Luther King March. I was at all of. Them.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, Baltimore and D.C. aren't very far apart. So that was a quick trip to get down for all those protests and stuff. Yeah, well, I, used to
0: be, I always take the train now if you're coming for a protest. <laughs> because parking <laughs> in a riot is not so easy.
1: Yeah, yeah exactly. Well, man, wow, peeing on the pit. So, so uh, the Birchmere, this is my segue. You ready? The Birchmere is, is just right down the road for the smell of your peeing. on the Pentagon. <laughs> That's the best I can do. Well, I've peed in the Birchmere, too. You've peed in the birchman. Well, a lot of people have, of but course. you know in the restroom. <laughs> yes, but uh, yes. I don't. I don't know if that's it's not. It's not going to happen on on stage during the show, though. You know, I think. No, there's no water
0: sports in this year. Though I do talk about it.
1: <laughs> well, I just I just heard that uh, Gallagher passed away. That's a different kind of splatter from the stage. If you you know if you're up there.
0: Well, and I'm talking about elimination. You know, now my friend in San Francisco tells me that every night homeless people take a dump in between the cars on the street and then he heard somebody on the roof and he thought it was Santa but it was someone taking a (laughs) dump on his roof and I said people climb on your roof to take a dump? Maybe we have to start doing that ourselves to our enemy politically.
1: <laughs> Is that eight tiny reindeer? No, it's a big pile of poopy
0: Yeah, Clarence <laughs> Thomas, where's your roof?
1: <laughs> <laughs> exactly Well, he's
0: eliminating our rights He can eliminate his Is I true? mean, can, you know <laughs> Can pension life be political? I don't know chick o for or turd I don't know
1: I, you're george bailey's and he's clarence <laughs> yeah all right well uh that we sort of uh you know tangented plenty but tell me about in all seriousness what's 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 the deal with the john waters christmas show i know you've done it the last couple of years what year are we in now, by no, now? it's a completely
0: different i rewrite it every year i just finished rewriting it yesterday actually
1: oh, great. now i gotta learn
0: it but uh <laughs> it's
1: about how everything's broken nothing's
0: worked covid killed everything did it kill christmas and so i'm in despair in the first act and and then I rally, and I, I think I'm a half-full kind of guy, and so is my audience, and I give you insane advice how to make everything better, even though it would be completely an insane way to do it. And my audience, which is smart and beautiful and well-dressed, they they get it. They get it. They get my sense of humor completely.
1: Oh, of course. well, your sense of humor is well documented by now. So we know what we're in for and it's a real treat. Now, it is. Well, all... I
0: mean, I don't ever get walkouts and I talk about hideous things, you know, and people think not that the people that would hate me, they know enough not to come now. I mean, they not that many people are dragged innocently into one of my shows and completely <laughs> think that I was going to come out and sing Andy Williams Christmas carols or something. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I, I really don't think that that's uh you know. It's like when you throw on Bad Santa, you know you're not getting Andy Williams songs. But yeah, um, Bad Santa watches over me. Bad Santa, yeah, yeah, Billy Bob watches over the show. Um well, yeah. so it, is it uh obviously, I mean I guess it's sort of like a is it like a stand-up routine? Or, I mean, Yeah, you know?
0: it's a 70-minute monologue, totally written in 20 minutes of questions. And uh it's about Christmas, but it's about Christmas crime, Christmas blasphemy, Christmas humor, Christmas scatology christmas politics christmas fashion christmas carols uh, everything everything you can't escape christmas even if you're al-qaeda
1: <laughs> exactly it's coming for you uh, um well uh do, so it's all christmas themed obviously like you just said but do, do you have i mean there's been so much craziness going on in the country do you ever weave in local you know or not local oh, yes, politics exactly, and do, january exactly 6th and all that crap yeah.
0: Oh, yeah, and the elections, and oh, yeah, January 6th is mentioned, Antifa is mentioned. All extremes are mentioned, because you just wonder, could you go Christmas caroling with Antifa? I don't know. Can you <laughs> hire Proud Boys to be go-go boys at an office party? I don't know.
1: <laughs> what was, uh, what, what, speaking of Christmas, what was Christmas like for, for you growing up? I know you were born in Baltimore. That's, you know, you're claiming yeah. the fame. But, uh, it was, you know. Um, it was,
0: very functional and great. I loved it. Um, you know, my, I, I, the Christmas tree did fall over on my grandmother once, which I remember with me, but she wasn't really injured or anything. But I used that in one of my movies, in female trouble when Divine knocks over the tree. So all around the world, people tell me stories about the Christmas tree falling over yeah. in their house, and it happens really a lot. It's always usually involved with liquor or the dog, though. But neither one of those things were why it fell over on my grandmother. I don't know what happened. It was just a bad accident. It just fell over. And I just thought, I hope my presents aren't broken.
1: <laughs> Sounds like a Griswold tree. But yeah. if the, you spent speaking of the presents getting broke, did you do you remember having any favorite Christmas gifts growing up? You know, do any stand Yeah. Out? I used
0: to I have a Christmas picture that I, I don't know where it is now, but it was in our family album. Of me under the Christmas tree, when I was about 10 or 11, and I'm holding the album, The Genius of Ray Charles, which I couldn't believe I even knew. I certainly asked my parents about that album. They would not have known about it. And uh, there I was, so my parents, and, you know, they gave me what I wanted, really. And I love that picture. I still, it's a great album. I still play it.
1: Wow, that is an amazing gift. Well, I was gonna ask you if you had any favorite Christmas carols, but I guess they're on the Ray Charles album, I guess. Uh, well, know. the other
0: weird thing is that I used to get a carton of cools for Christmas in my stocking, and my parents were very straight. That was you know it wasn't thought of to be bad to smoke. And when you were sixteen you got smoking permission. When I was in Catholic high school, we had a smoking area from ninth to twelfth grade. We were allowed to smoke. And I look back on it and I think, well, there used to be ads in magazines saying doctors recommend cool cigarettes when you have a or, or menthol cigarettes when you have a pneumonia or something. So uh, that's one thing I wish I had taken a picture of that stocking hanging on the fireplace with a and a cool sticking out of it.
1: <laughs> Man, times have changed. It was yeah, totally acceptable. Back. But you know what? Santa smokes his pipe. The chimney smokes. Santa smokes. You get to smoke as a kid. Why not? <laughs> uh, well, it's the only thing I regret in life is smoking. Uh, yeah, well, that yeah, that'll do it. Probably you and a lot of other people, but, you know, yep. it, t- times have changed. But, uh, all right,
0: cool, cool. Well, so, Santa, even that, I mean, is he fat-shaming? You know, is he politically <laughs> correct? I don't know. He's got people that would come after his animals. Uh, Mrs. Claus was nobody's jollies. I mean, you know, there's, there's lots of things. I mean, are, are those elves unionized? I mean.
1: Yeah, you got to, I guess it's little people instead of elves. Like, yeah, everything's yep. a, little, a little renamed nowadays, you know what I mean? Yep, yeah. But I mean so I mean like you're saying there there's so much material for for, <laughs> for stuff to run. Yes,
0: there for. is, definitely. And I I I've used a lot of it this year. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, we we can't wait. We really, really can't wait. Um well, well the, is the such
0: a great place. I mean, I've played there so many years and I look at all the other you know, Joan Baez, all the other people that have played there, and I, I I'm in a quite mixed company, but a great time there.
1: Oh yeah, when you look around the walls and see all the other acts yeah. that have played, that that is one of the treat, absolute treats of that of a historic place like that. Well, you mentioned a few seconds ago that DC's always been good to you, you know, and you know with the opening of you know pink flamingos and everything. I guess what we're we're officially in the fiftieth anniversary. Is it fifty years now? Yeah, I guess. Yes, yeah, so. it
0: came out this year. But Criterion put it out, and we had theatrical runs and everything. And what was so great when I would go to the theaters to introduce it, the audience was twenty years old. They had never seen it. And uh, it still worked. I am the filthiest person alive. I won.
1: <laughs> you set out to be the filthiest person, and <laughs> you achieved it. You still are all these years later. Uh, well, and and of course it starred, you know, the iconic countercultural Divine. Uh, didn't you Do you guys, didn't you grow up together before making those? He was from around the Sherry, yeah. too.
0: Divine lived down the street with his parents. He moved when we were in high school, and his parents ran yeah. a day nursery for children, and Divine was their only child. I'm not sure he was the best Advertisement for its nursery, but, uh, but Divine was very really different in high school. He was hassled every day by the teachers and the students. He was, you know, really tortured in school. So he used that rage later to create the character of Divine. And at the end of his career, he was getting great reviews for playing the opposite of that image. I thought up Divine to scare hippies. And <laughs> Divine wasn't trans. He didn't want to be a woman. He wanted to, I always said he wanted to be Godzilla
1: huh you you created the character with with divine to scare who what did you say hippies <laughs> yeah well it, it it worked and uh and and speaking of things that have changed a lot wow i mean uh, we're a much more well i'd like to think we're a much more accepting uh society now but i feel like we oh no yeah, well, we all story.
0: argue i don't know what happened with the pervert brand we all used to get along now we argue with each other so dreary you know we're weakening <laughs> our
1: pervert brand <laughs> I love it. Well, of course, if, if any fans of your work, you know, um, you know, that, that kicked off the trash trilogy, Female Trouble, Desperate Living, all that stuff. Did you initially attend it as a trilogy or is it just more like that's what critics sort of slapped the label on it?
0: I think they just put it around it because after that polyester I made, and that was sort of not a midnight movie and it was not really, it was rated R and it was more commercial. So I think it all just happened accidentally, including Hairspray being that commercial. I never even thought I was making a more commercial movie when I made that. So so I thought they all were commercial. I just was wrong a lot.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well then and then of course so many people nowadays forget that, you know, uh your Hairsbury, you know, it it wasn't like, you know, the, the the shiny Broadway musical like like it later became. But talk about Yeah, the, but sort they of the...
0: did a great job of it, you know, and it respected my movie completely. And uh, Hairspray was a dance movie. There was no original music in it. There was great, great rhythm and blues songs in it, but they were real songs. uh, Where Hairspray turned it into a musical, made it sing, and then they did the same thing with Crybaby, which was not a hit, but I think they did a great job with Crybaby. I think, I hope that gets revived one day, because the musical, the problem was, it was the sexiest Broadway musical for the whole family. (laughs) And that doesn't usually work. There was frontal nudity in it, but it was for the family
1: exactly how much did when they were put when you were putting together the musical broadway musical version how much um you know were you consulted on it by Oh, i was
0: there through the whole thing i was like a studio executive i gave notes i was there in every city when they were doing it i was involved a lot but they wanted me to be i wasn't like butting in you know but it was a very good experience i learned a huge amount about the theater just to see what happens when from the first table reading to the night you open on broadway is quite quite an adventure
1: and it was Mark Shaman and Scott Whitman, I believe, who wrote the songs. Um are, are, yeah, are, great. are they Are bounding... they them. They Good totally morning. got it. They're doing some like it hot now. Yeah, well, I mean, come on. Nobody's perfect. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Iconic final line. But um, yeah, like are they bouncing off like Good Morning Baltimore or Welcome to the Sixties or You Can't Stop the Beat? I mean, uh, are they bouncing are you are they bouncing those off of you or do you sit down and see you it? Know, the, the, first theater, the first thing
0: they played for me was uh you know, a demo of six of the songs, and they were, I thought these are great. You know, and we all knew when it was happening that people said, the only thing you can do is F this up, really, because <laughs> never is it that good in the beginning. Everybody thought this is going to be a hit, and that's a curse. You don't want to think that. But it was. <laughs> and uh, right from the beginning, it clicked. It was never a time. I mean, they did rewrite, they changed stuff There was a lot of things that made it better and better and better. But right from the beginning, you had the feeling this worked. And uh, I think that is great. I owe that to Scott and Mark because they so understood my humor and translated it to music.
1: Absolutely. Well, all these years later, I mean, yeah, we're talking about new, new Broadway heights of fame, but you know, you, you'll always be associated with you know the the indie Baltimore, those cult trash movies, right. and, and trash in the most complimentary sense. <laughs> um, do do you uh, who who did, do you have any filmmakers today that you think have assumed that mantle? Is there anyone that you think carries on your tradition?
0: Well, there's a lot I like, but they're usually foreign directors like Gaspar Noe and Bruno Dermond. I like Todd Solondz, Harmony Corinne. But all the ones that the reviews say are John Waters-esque, I you don't usually like them so much because they try too hard. And it just means they're gross or have a drag queen. Both those things are not that transgressive anymore. You know, many people have, you know, have seen that. So I think um, it's youth's responsibility to come up something that'll make me nervous. That should be the next thing they try to do.
1: Is that? That's feel like that's it's. I feel like it's all been done. You've you've grossed us out and trashed in so many ways. Like that's a high bar to clear. Like what else is there left to do? Is there? Is yeah, there but more? I did
0: it and used it to make you look at things in a different way and to hopefully yeah. be funny too. It's easy to yeah. just be gross. It's not hard. But that's not witty. That doesn't change anything. That doesn't change people's politics. Uh, you know, people racists were so stupid they even liked hairspray.
1: <laughs> that's true well yeah it is it, the humor is, was definitely that they hard.
0: didn't even get it that it was criticizing them <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah isn't that always the case a lot of t- a lot of times the, it's <laughs> they have songs and the, the shows and things they hold up they hold up the Archie bunkers and the born in the usas and really don't really get that they're being criticized for that that's always how it goes but um anyway so but let's bring it back I know we're short on time so bring it full circle back to the the birchmere here uh, w- uh what should we say to, to get people to come out what's the final pitch here well, well, or- if you want to
0: if you're nervous about Christmas if it's making you feel blue if you feel broken by Christmas or if you're so excited about you can't wait to spend your last penny and buy every present for everybody in the world you're both going to have a good time on my show because we're going to make fun of the whole trauma or celebration of Christmas in a happy way
1: in a happy way and maybe even some peeing at the Birchmere
0: <laughs> yes <laughs> and right. you never know you might get lucky in the parking
1: lot <laughs> I think that's the perfect place to leave it hey John Waters thank you so much it, it's thank a you thanks for having up. me on talk to you later right. bye bye Search American Nightmare Podcast on all podcast platforms. I wanted to take a second to tell you about an app I really enjoy.